peace and joy. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> please enjoy. Ah! Johnny, no, please. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, it's not good. Hold on. <laughs> it's me. If you're still recording, Johnny is like switching his face with Momo. And James this and Tyler is are gone. The real Momo challenge. <laughs> so Tyler and James are going to come back to just. I am just. What am I missing? I'm just sitting down. Okay. What's. What is this? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. <laughs> Tyler, have you seen Momo before? No, I have not, but I, I don't want to. The fuck Stop was that? It, Johnny. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Let's turn to Travis. Travis is right now in the broker's office sitting on a fainting couch uh, because until very, very recently, there were six maelstroms. No, I'm sorry. There were eight maelstroms off the coast of Bujanith, which were playing hell with the internal animal that drives Travis. Uh, Johnny... Like, I think very suddenly uh, this supernatural, like, affectation that was over Travis has been lifted, like, uh, the maelstroms stopped as suddenly as they started. What What is Travis's state at this point? Um, So he, I think he was, you know, kind of obviously worked up, very sweaty and clammy, like cold and sweaty. Uh, and I think, is it is it, so is it just like a light switch kind of, like? Just immediately, very immediate, like all of the maelstrom stopped and that will cause you instant relief. Uh, well, <laughs> Mr. Broker, thank you for the couch. Uh, the broker is not looking directly mm. at you. In the time that you were disoriented, uh, sitting on the fainting couch, the conference table has been cleared away and laid out on the floor in front of you is this massive circle of salt with candles inside it, different bones arranged in different areas. And uh, there is a ring of spooky butlers who are chanting around this while the broker is overseeing things. Oh, good. You're up. Um, yeah, I'm feeling much better now, so I will uh, take my leave. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, we are definitely going to need you here tonight. Um, I am about to perform this spell, th this ritual, uh, and my sorcerers tell me that uh, I will be quite indisposed after the ritual is, in, is completed. Um, most of the stress is going to flow off to our victims, but, uh, you know, that, that is a good portion of human beings, uh, and it will take quite a bit of my own personal reserves of strength, uh, to promote that spell. So I'm going to need you to negotiate on behalf of Bujanith. Well, I am an expert negotiator. Uh, but I would also like to know. Hmm? What's in it for me? Well, uh, the way I see it, if we're not successful at this gambit, uh, more Red Feather ships will be called in from command, and I don't think any Corsair vessel would be leaving this port or docking in this port ever again. 
Now, I think a man such as yourself would, would be far more concerned with the idea of leaving the port. Uh, but uh, if we look at it in a long-term historical sense, perhaps if you were to rot away and die in a red feather jail cell, it might give you some small amount of comfort if you were to do that with the knowledge that, in fact, Corsairs could still dock in Bougenith. I can tell you one thing. If I'm put in a jail cell, I won't be rotting away or dying. Well, that is mighty optimistic of you. Uh, r- regardless, the, the point still stands. Uh, we fight for the city tonight, and if we don't win, I do believe the Uhuru will suffer a more immediately grim fate than the city of Bougenith. All right. <laughs> yes. well, You've twisted my arm. Something told me that you would be exactly the sort of person that I'd be able to depend on in this situation. Uh, now, it, it's very simple. Uh, you're you're going to meet with Argus Westfield. He is the highest ranking member of the Red Feather Syndicate here. Uh, if things are timed exactly right, uh, we are going to strike down his would-be apprentice in the jousting arena roughly is the same time that we are concluding our negotiations that will be your ace in the hole argus is a canny negotiator though and i can assure you the syndicate has been eyeing uh Bougenith to add to its collection of dominated cities for quite some time all right is there anything in particular i should know maybe his uh, likes or dislikes how can i butter him up how can i tear him down is that a serious question? I can assure you, Mr. Broker. Every question I have is serious. Well, all right then. Uh, I could uh, send some people to the information desk and, and they could, the reference desk, and they could grab uh, a bit of a profile for you if, if we put together a dossier. Would you read it? No, absolutely not. Okay, then. Um, how do I help? you mr matigo uh i don't know just tell me his deal is he cool i mean no (laughs) absolutely not he's the head of reclamations for the red feather syndicate he's whole job is to get things that have been taken from the syndicate and they perceive themselves to be owners of many things that they do not in fact have a claim to yeah but like you know can he hang uh, i i, I said so, yes mr madigo he can hang okay thank you he is more socially able than i am travis hasn't uh, met him right me and John uh, met Argus Westfield, right? Yeah, yeah. You and John have met mm. Westfield, yeah. but uh, Travis most certainly has not. Do you think we told Travis about him? I don't think so, you because think? remember, the thing that happened after that meeting was... Yeah, uh, draft dying, yeah. Draft. Sure, 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 sure. So... A big whoopsie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of a whoopsie. Whoopsie-doodle. The Kind of the biggest whoopsie. whoopsie. Yeah. So far. I mean, like a medium-sized whoopsie. Yeah, it was a pretty big whoopsie. A little bit uh, of whoopsie anyway, continue. some poopsie in there, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's creeping in there a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, uh, th- this man uh, has held a position of high command in the Red Feather Syndicate for quite some time and has his own personal armada that, that he can dictate. He can also commandeer command from other Red Feather officers. The Reclamations Department has a little bit more legal leeway in most of the large cities that they deal with uh, than the other departments. Even uh, those who are fully designated pirate hunters don't have as much uh, social capital as other uh, departments within the syndicate do. He can go places they can't, and he can order strikes and attacks that the syndicate has more leverage to defend than any other. He's a very dangerous man. Well, um, then you're in luck, Mr. Broker, because I too can be a very dangerous man. Well, good, because I'm going to go threaten him. Huh? The broker, like, pulls up his robes um, a little bit, and uh-huh. exposing very, like, thin white ankles 
<laughs> like finally made velvet shoes as he carefully steps over the salt and uh, symbols and bones that have been allayed into this circle. Oh, yes, uh, that's right. Uh, I was hoping that I could trouble you for some blood. Ooh, whose? Y- yours, you. I was hoping I could trouble you for some blood. For what? I would like and you to give much? me your blood. How much? Give him the blood. Some? Give him the blood. I mean, no more than a pint. How, why? Give him a pint of blood. Oh, well, uh, uh, see, these are all the spooky butlers that I have at command tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the rest of my forces are, are marshaled downstairs in case of a red feather attack while we're casting this spell. So... And and I will be far too weakened after the spell. So I need everybody here to be at the, you know, top condition they can be in, excepting you. So you need them to, what, eat my blood? No, I don't need anyone to eat your blood, Mr. Matigo. I merely need you to spill some into a goblet. Oh, well, why didn't you say so? What time is it? I think pre-evening, because like we're, we're at the final joust competition. I think the joust probably starts mm-hmm. during the day and ends in the early evening. What time will the negotiation be? The negotiation's going to be at night, my dude. Okay. Oh. <sighs> Mr. Wait. Broker, I've got two questions. Yes? One, what if Oromar Vale goes to the negotiation <laughs> oh can we get him uh yeah i can get him and s- uh, well that would be fantastic great and second where's a big old knife for me to slice my hand open can one of you oh yes and sir, he makes sir, some vague here is your knife <laughs> here's your knife this is uh, quite the slasher i actually call it slasher hello i'm spooky butler number seven I was going to get here first, but I'm too slow. I have a little button knife. It's going to be no good, isn't it? No, no, Um, you're fine. Show him the knife. He'll pick his favorite. I didn't even start moving over there until just now. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting here. I was uh, in the loo. Oh, it's us again, isn't it? Oh, Oh, wait, please spare us. No, (laughs) detail. I would love to hear about the movement you had. <laughs> I'm gonna cry because of it. It's so beautiful. Well, I, your movements. I brought my knife into the the bathroom. Hey. As All right, then let's do something else before we talk about this for real. Now, fair, fair, fair. You can go ahead and pick your knife, Tra- Mister Travis. Yeah, keep on taking it. Just to be clear, yeah, Johnny, the knife please pick one is of clean. Knives. Uh, I will pick because sh- it will have real consequences. <laughs> okay, so we've got one butter knife, one bathroom knife. <laughs> And one big, big knife. I'll take the big, big knife, obviously. Oh, All right. shucks. Another one goes for the big, big knife. And nobody <laughs> wants my button knife. <laughs> oh, you're lucky I was over here. And I didn't even take out my knife until just now. Oh, your knife is more of a spoon, isn't it? It is spoon, but it is sharpened spoon. Oh, all right. That's a fork, a a spoon fork, and you know it. A spork. Why didn't didn't any of us talk before the rest of this arc? We're a lot of fun, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Broker, the spookiest thing about these butlers butlers is is really their intelligence. It's spooky (laughs) that someone could be. Whoa, that's, that's, that's hurtful. We, we've been... it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna cut my hand open. Now. Okay, <laughs> all right. Are we all, okay, are we all, all right. done? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you made your choice, G- gentlemen. Please, if you would, back to the circle. All right, and going silent in three, two, one. Two, one. Oh no! Uh, great. So, <laughs> I assume we have some blood from Travis. Yeah, yeah. I think he made a pretty dramatic production of it. Because he knows it'll be better soon. So just kind of like really going for it. Cool. Cool. Yeah, Travis, you bleed into this gauntlet uh, or this goblet. And one of the more sorcerially dressed spooky butlers uh, will grab the gauntlet from you and head over to a small cauldron 
uh, pouring your blood into the mixture. It, uh, like, smokes up dramatically as the mixture reaches a boil, and they spend some time ladling out this red potion into several small vials, uh, which are tied to raven's feet, or which are given to ravens, and they fly off throughout the city. Um, this process probably takes a good 20, 25 minutes. It takes so much time because there are so many bottles and there is so much uh, potion to be distributed. There are several hundred birds you you feel like you see just take a vial and fly off somewhere else in the city. Once the potion has been distributed, uh, the broker... uh, kneeling in the middle of this circle gives the group around him a nod and simultaneously the spooky butlers sitting around the ring take out their knives and they each cut off a finger what a fun development drop they drop with a soft thud onto the salt circle and You can see blood start to pool around the fingers and it mixes into the circle. And getting an above shot of the circle, we can see this blood start to spread out throughout the salt design until the entire thing is crimson and it begins to glow lightly. And then the broker's eyes open. And we can see they are also a blazing crimson red. We cut to different shots around the city. We can see ravens flying through the night sky, peeling off in a massive flock, moving to different parts of the city. The broker's office is very centrally located, and it's short time before the ravens have positioned themselves strategically near different groups of red feather soldiers around the city. One by one, each raven brings itself into position, slowly circling over these groups of soldiers. And then the vials start to drop. Each soldier recoils quickly, but in every group there is one unlucky soul who does not move back quickly enough. Red vapors rise up out of these smashed jars and are breathed in by these unfortunate people. And their eyes start to glow in turn with the brokers all over the city in the quietest parts, the parts separated from the competition itself. You can hear the broker's voice spoken in the voices of a hundred different people simultaneously. Uh, Hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Uh, I am entreating Argus Westfield to a parlay. I have reduced the number of your uh, uh, soldiers in this city by 10%, and by the end of this evening, I intend to reduce the red feather presence in this city by 30%. And there's nothing that you can do about that. However, I am willing to negotiate for the future of my city. I have selected a representative. Oromar Vale of the Uhuru will meet you to parlay. I intend to see Red Feather Presence reduced in this city. I intend to receive payment from the Red Feather Syndicate for losses made on my acquisitions because of your actions, and I intend to get free movement for my allies and myself for the next 48 months. If you would like to negotiate these terms to be different, I suggest you meet in my offices to speak with my representative by Sunday. If not... I will reduce Red Feather presence in this city by 50%. 
and I will pursue further action to recoup the losses that I have incurred at your hand, Mr. Westfield. If those terms are acceptable to you, I will see you this evening. If not, prepare for a very difficult night. With that, each of the people who was afflicted by the broker's spell exhale. A crimson mist leaves their mouths. Their bodies are left pale and stricken, eyes rolling back into their heads. They collapse to the ground and convulse, dying on the spot. It is... A grim few minutes as their allies sit by their side, try to coax them back into the world of the living. Some try medical ministrations, others resort to magic to no avail. There is nothing they can do to stop the vultures who come for them minutes later. And the broker's message is complete. Jeez. We return to the broker's office, uh, where he has collapsed in the center of the circle. Uh, One of the freshly bandaged spooky butlers has wrapped up, uh, with their hand wrapped up, goes to the center of the circle and lifts his body out of it, um, bringing him over to Travis Matigo. Mr. Matigo. Yes? I entrust to you the safety of my city. Oh, sure, yeah. sits his head up as much as he possibly can in his weakened state. Mr. Matigo, do not disappoint me. (laughs) I am accustomed to disappointment. Oh. But I have grown to develop ways of dealing with it. Do you understand? Sure. What does it mean? Very good. And he passes out. Uh, And a crew of staff begins to clean up the office and prepare it for uh, a parlay. At which point, another spooky butler moves over to Travis. Oh, Mr. Matico, this is the voice that we decided spooky butlers have. (laughs) I can't say I'm a fan of it. But here we are. Doesn't have to be. They could be spooky bugglers from all over the world. Ah, oh, that's right. No. <laughs> that's only chefs. Mr. Matago. Mr. Matago. There it is. Mm. Will Ormarvale need accompaniment to come to the parlay? I, I think or- he'll probably bring his trusted avian friend. Ah, I see. Yes, yes. It is good to have a companion animal mm-hmm. that relaxes the nerves. Shall we collect your captain now? You know, I think I'll go get him myself. I'll see you around. Of all the butlers I've met, you are easily the spookiest. I will tell you that, my friend. We will be watching, Mr. Matago. Okay. Hey, your voice is spooky, and the things you say with your voice are spooky. <laughs> I appreciate your constructive feedback. It wasn't really constructive, it was more observational. <laughs> Just letting you know. No need to change anything? Uh, then I appreciate that constructive feedback. Unless, well, okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> They're hungry, So to anyway, improve. yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to go. Uh, would this you is... like to take a quick survey uh, 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 about the service that you have received in the broker's office? There is How a chance that you can win $1,000 gold coins. How, what, are the ch- what, are the, what kind of chances are we talking? Like? I mean, it's everyone who's taken the survey. Okay. So. How many people have taken the survey? Well, it depends. Well, we we reset the count every three months. Okay. It's quite a few. So it depends on how heavy the month has been. Yes. So far, so far, there have been 45 people that have taken the survey. Also, so not bad. So pretty good. Okay, but how, how close? 
how close to the end of the cycle are we? We have two really months and twenty-eight days. Okay, oh, yes. no, never I, mind. Then I, then I like those odds. I will, I will give it a try. I will do the survey. All right. Okay. Question one: Who are you? Travis Madigo. Question, okay. question two. <laughs> question two on a scale of one to five, uh, one being the least and five being the most. How likely are you to recommend the services of a broker to a friend, family, or loved one? What, which services? Guarding your friend from being killed? One. <laughs> Killing a bunch of people in town? Five. It's it's kind of all the services, so... And then I guess a three. Deal. Just uh, a three? Yeah. Uh, uh, question three. This is free answer. If uh, Please describe uh, any uh, uh, services you would like to see the broker provide in the future with us. This is the exit for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, oh, spa great. services would be nice. What does it? Spa services. Oh, spa yes. Services. Well, then, uh, how much would you be willing to pay for added uh, spa service treatment services? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the service. Mm, it is very kind of question is that? What kind We're of thinking maybe services? a massage with Many petty an exfoliating mask. Okay, a, a massage, ex, the, the exfoliating mask, and a mani-pedi? I don't know, $200? Great. Okay. Great, great, great. Okay. And finally, uh, uh, scale one to five, one being the least and five being the most. How much do you agree with the following statement? Uh, I could not imagine life without the broker. One. Okay. Thank you very much for taking our <laughs> survey. Uh, if you win, you'll receive a notification uh, via a raven. No. Uh, and then I have to, what, no. bury a raven? No, a vulture will come take yes. it. The raven will but you must respond to the raven's message within uh, 48 hours, or else we will reset and roll over the prize money to the next uh, All right, here's a coupon you can give to a friend if you are a further friend and just say you met with the broker and his servants one, two, and three on this day. You will get 20% off your next service. Uh, just remember, here's the serial number. Keep the serial number. You need to keep that serial number. You don't have to track lose the serial, serial number. number. Thank you so much. Here, I will circle it with a highlighted pen. Okay, so I'm going to go... <laughs> Yes, please. You, this was an optional please. survey. You could leave whenever you wanted. Well, I was intrigued and then annoyed. Oh, well. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Yes, yes, yes. Such is the life of a spooky butler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going we quiet. Anyway. Going okay, quiet goodbye. in three, two, one. What? We cut away to the joust. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master. I am back from vacation and ready to tell you some exciting things. But first, we've got a Radvertisement. This one comes to us from the Kickstarter for Vigor Into the Dust by Stitchcraft Press. Vigor Into the Dust is a character-forward role-playing game set in a world on the brink. Leverage your force of characters to fight the corruption and rise against the hierarchy. Even carve out some small enclave of the fabled world before. It's packed with over 24 pages of graphic novel vignettes and a striking ink and watercolor-inspired design. Vigor Into the Dust should inspire your next tale of survival, community, and revolution. Vigor is already fully funded and working towards stretch goals. You can back Vigor Into the Dust now on Kickstarter, but the campaign ends on December 12th, so there are just a few days left to get your pledge in. Heroes, you know I love stories about survival, community, and revolution. That's a lot of what Skyjax is about. So if you're enjoying this, you will probably enjoy this game as well. A huge thanks to Stitchcraft Press for sponsoring us this week. Next up, a couple days ago on Twitter, I teased y'all about the possibility of an all-ages spinoff to Skyjax. 
Well, to come clean here, we have already produced an all-ages spinoff for Skyjacks. In fact, instead of taking a break after the conclusion of this arc, once the holidays are over, we are just going to put up episodes of that all-ages spin-up of Skyjacks. It'll have a three-episode run before we return to the regular series. Skyjack's Courier's Call is going to be GM'd by Drew Merzieski, who you might remember from the Welcome to Warda podcast, The Dungeon Dome, and the Firefly episodes of Campaign. Drew is going to be joined by his wife, Allie Grauer, Palomi Pertap, and Aaron Catano Saez to bring you to Thornvale, a town hidden by mountains wrapped in eternal autumn, where the Swiftwell Courier Service makes its home. Swiftwell is famous in the world of Sphere for being a privateer outfit that devotes itself to delivering mail, to helping people in struggling communities communicate with one another. They have four skyships, the Audrons, and aboard each one is a fleet of griffins that require young riders. Skyjack's Courier's Call is going to follow the story of three new recruits as they work their way through the Swiftwell organization and discover the world of Sphere through young eyes. I am extremely excited about this project. Now, we've recorded three episodes that we plan to release on the campaign feed. And if I'm being honest, I was planning on keeping this a secret until just before we released them. But I have more exciting news. You see, right now, through December 17th, the World Builders Charity, which is run by friend of the show, Patrick Rothfuss, is in the middle of their big end-of-the-year drive. And Pat reached out to me because he wants the one-shot community to support their drive. This year, they're going to be donating what they raise in this fundraiser to Heifer International, which works to combat extreme poverty by providing underprivileged people with access to livestock for them to own and raise, allowing them to take control of their own lives and support themselves. It's frankly a great charity, and definitely feels a little bit skyjacks too. When Pat and I were brainstorming different things that we could do to incentivize our audience to go support this cause, I thought of the idea of offering you more from the Swiftwell Courier Service. If we managed to raise $2,500 on the one-shot team page for the World Builders end-of-year drive, we will produce at least three additional episodes of Skyjack's Courier's Call. And those three episodes will not be released on the campaign feed. They will be released on their own feed. So for a brief period, you will have double the Skyjacks. Actually, they'll probably be released on a bi-weekly schedule. So for some weeks, you will have double the Skyjacks. Folks, that is not the only exciting reason to back the one-shot team page. Because if we hit $5,000, Pat has promised to guest on the Neo Scum podcast. And let me assure you, Neo Scum good. And even if you really like those incentives, those aren't the only reason to back the World Builders End of Year Drive. Because when you back the World Builders End of Year Drive, you are entered to win raffles full of amazing and extremely cool nerdy gifts from around many different fandoms. Uh, Those gifts include things like a vacation on the Joko Cruise and a Wormwood gaming table. And folks, those are extremely nice. If you're curious about this charity or you want to learn more about Skyjack's Courier's Call, please head over to our team page on the World Builders website. You can reach it by going to fundraise.worldbuilders.org slash one shot or to bit.ly slash OSN worldbuilders. There you'll be able to find a little bit of information about Skyjack's Courier's Call and the character art for the protagonists of Skyjack's Courier's Call which was created by our good friend, the angry artist, Jess Kaczynski. It's honestly the perfect way to meet your new sweet children. You're going to love them and you're going to want to hear a lot more from them. So please, please, please donate to the World Builders End of Year Drive through our team page and help us reach this goal. Now, if you happen to be a member of the mailing list, look forward to next week because on Wednesday, I'll be releasing a preview of Skyjack's Courier's Call to everyone on the Skyjack's mailing list. Folks, I frankly have a lot of other exciting news about the World Builders End of Year Drive, including Pat and I collaborating on a one-shot actual play set in the Kingkiller universe, but I am very much out of time. So you'll have to check out OneShot or our Twitter account for more information about that. A quick thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon for making this show possible. We would not be able to do what we do without you. Let's save individual thank yous for next week, though. For now, let's get back in the sky.
Do I have time to go brush my teeth? <laughs> yeah, go brush your teeth, okay. you dirty, nasty boy. I will. So, we return to the jousting competition with Gable. Uh, Liz, what are you going to have Gable do? Gable's just taken a very big hit, but they've also realized that uh, they don't actually bear the brunt of these attacks. Although they feel a little bit of pain and a little bit of stress from these attacks, most of the damage is displaced into the vats of sand that line the arena. Gable wants to get this done as soon as possible. Being away from Jonnet and being away from Travis is not something that they are particularly um, happy with. Yeah, who wouldn't want to be near Travis? So I think what Gable wants to do is try and get this over as fast as possible. And what that means is taking down aristocracy as as quick as possible with little to no regard for their own safety. So uh, this this is... And what that translates into is pretty much a barrage of attacks. And that is my intention. So, Uh, so maneuver and action, correct? Yes. All right. They don't have to go in any sort of order, correct? Yeah, you can do whichever first that you would like. So if I upgrade speed, does that increase the strength of the attack or... So when you increase your speed, you can spend your speed like a currency to upgrade other actions that you're doing. Um, So like commit to the strike. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a maneuver to commit to the strike and up to speed. Yes. Uh, Now, being aware that when you commit to the strike like this, because you're moving at your minimum speed, Mm -hmm. like... uh, you are opening yourself up to other attacks. I know you said you would do things with little regard for your safety, but I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. But if I do the maneuver and then the action, so it's just like, if I do the attack and the attack is successful, does that mean that I'm still open to? Oh, yeah, totally. Because you've lowered your speed to make that attack possible. Oh, this is lowering speed, not upping speed. Mm, Yeah, exactly. That's costing you speed in order to upgrade your dice. You know what? I think that Gable doesn't care anymore. I think the need and desire to kill Tiberius is going to overcome everything. So, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice it all. So going down two speeds to upgrade my dice once for an attack. Cool. Yeah. So what does that mean? So if you lose two speed, you're going to be going at one speed, which means opponents who are trying to attack you... Well, wait a minute. That seems like a lot, James. No, I mean, yeah. It, it, you're going down two, like, what the maneuver that you've picked is going down two speed to upgrade once. I'm just trying to think if you, the last thing you did was quarry Tiberius. No, Quar- Tiberius tried to quarry Kildred and failed. Uh huh. Okay, that's what happened. Never okay. mind. I was just refreshing my memory. Yeah. I'm not yeah. playing this game well. I'm just playing it. <laughs> and isn't that always the way? Okay. Hey, that, yeah, that's, you that's, are that's playing lifeless. it, and that's what I am matters. playing that it. You're trying. And also, I'm decent at melee attacks anyway. Sure. Get it. So sure. yeah, upgrade that once and hit. And this is going to be a hard check. You see, I'm doing it. Okay, okay, okay. Actually, wow. All right. All right, these go away. Yeah, this is our first time everybody's having to interpret their dice on their own. I know. James, that is three successes and a threat. Holy shit! You betcha. Or you're lying. No, I am absolutely not. Oh, we can lie anytime we want to now. We can lie anytime we not, but I'm not. I am not lying. That is three successes and a threat. Okay, what is your damage on that? I believe your weapon is four and your brawn is three, so that's seven? That the the damage is plus four for the great sword. What else am I looking at? You're, you're adding your brawn, so that would be three. So that would make it seven with your net successes. That's going to bring you up to ten. Ten damage? Yeah, ten damage. Ten da- that's ten damage coming Tiberius's way. Yes. Okay, um, 
So Gable streaks through the sky on the back of Metatron after Tiberius, who has just been outmaneuvered by Hildred Gastar. Uh, he's been put in a vulnerable position and is not moving very quickly, which allows Gable to strike him from behind. Please describe this attack, Liz. So the way that the maneuver worked is that I had to slow down. So Metatron does one of those things where birds like flap very quickly up to be mm-hmm. able to stop in midair. And the way that Gable uses that is to all of a sudden take that sudden switch in momentum to take the sword and flip it up and use gravity to hawk it down as if it were an axe, specifically trying to hit aristocracy both at the wing and where I assume the saddle would buckle Ooh, onto This onto is neck. an important question, Liz. Yes. Are you attacking Tiberius or aristocracy? I'm, ty- I'm attacking Tiberius. Okay. But on so, the right wing side. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, so we see uh, beneath you the jars full of sand explode. Uh, filling the air with yellow sand. Uh The crowd yells in excitement as you are awarded four points for creating what would be an injury on Tiberius. Uh, The crowd applauds. People are waving the orange and black colors of the Broker's Wild and throwing asters into the air. And for the first time, you feel what it's like to strike an opponent who is under the spell of uh this like protective uh sand device it feels sort of like hitting a person but your sword doesn't cleave through and it's not like striking a tree or a column something hard enough to resist a sword there's just a gentle suggestion uh that deflects the blow away from vital places and repels it it's not enough to get you off balance necessarily but it is jarring because that's not what it feels like to cut a man in half still you've dealt quite a bit of damage to your opponent he grunts in anger uh and tries to regain his composure batari uh is once again taking advantage of you moving very slowly and is going to try and swoop in and uh take advantage of your uh being indisposed at this point. Swoop swoop and swoop swoop. Sorry, I just gotta get my dice. I realized I didn't have them out yet. My it's all good, dice. buddy. My dice. Oh, I'm so old. But my Dice. My name is James D'Amato, and I do podcasts. The dice are my bones. Clickety-clackety-go, the dice. Clickety-clackety-go, my bones. (laughs) Batari uh, swoops down and once again uh, pulls out their weapon to strike at Gable. Gable, you are struck uh, on the side uh, with this. And Uh I think, gosh, I'm trying to remember what weapon Batari had. I don't think we may not have ever established it. Cool. I'm just going to hope that we have it. Yeah. I'm going to give Batari something like a cool, like Naginata type weapon. So it's like a long spear, but it's got this very cool, sharp point at the end. Uh, Gable, uh, this strikes you across the shoulders. Uh, What happens is Batari goes into a dive and then swoops upside down, briefly passing over you, allowing Ratu Ki to uh, drag the Naginata across Gable's back. Mm. Um, Even with the protection of this sand spell, uh, it kind of hurts as it strikes your scars. Yeah. Explosions pop up from beneath you, and uh, Ratuki is also given points for causing an injury. Well, how much damage was that, though? Uh, that that would be ten. Oh, jeez. Okay, I was about to say like plus soak plus warbird gets re- damage reduced. Uh, damage reduced by one. But so you're telling me that the damage was actually thirteen? Oh no 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 no. Uh, it, I, it, that that's before soak. 
Okay, so you're counting all of this injury and damage before, like, pre-soak. Yeah, the, the points that they get are pre-soak, but uh, you uh, yourself okay. get to resist the damage. Okay, okay, okay. And this is a barn burner. Oh, they're going to burn this barn for sure. Cool, 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 great. So what we have right now is just like a kind of big mess of action where uh, Batari, Aristocracy, and Metatron are all gathered in relatively close proximity. But away from this confluence of major birds, there is a smaller uh, raptor in this arena. Tucked into a tight dive, we see Victory and Hildred Gastar. Right now, Hildred's speed is 10. Mm. Hildred is Oof. going to pull a, a commit to the strike maneuver as she zeroes in on an opponent that she's decided she wants to take out. However, her action is not to charge. Uh, Hildred is going to... She can stunt. Hildred parkour. Bird parkour. I'm surprised we haven't done that. Hildred is going for a seize. Ooh, what's that, James? Batari, who is currently moving at one speed. Okay. I mean, all of us are, mostly. Yeah, pretty much everybody is at their minimum speed right now. Mm-hmm. Um so current for moving at less than Hildred's speed by three by three or more, uh the difficulty of, or oh actually th- this is always daunting. Unless your opponent is moving at their minimum speed due to loss of endurance. Oh, oh, so I have to get endurance first. Okay. So then never mind. She is going to charge, uh, but she is going to charge the bird. She is going to charge Batari itself instead of Ratuki. Mm. Um And she's going to spend four speed to do that. Mm. I love the joust. It's full of nice Who doesn't love a good joust? Lots lots of uh, math to do and (laughs) counting, which is a kind of math, depending on who you talk to. If I were a math problem, I think I'd be the Pythagorean theorem, because you can always find a solution, you know? Sometimes life is unpredictable, but you know it's never unpredictable triangles Pythagorean theorem. Oh. triangles yeah <laughs> well, it's, yeah it's, it's just also triangles if i were a math problem i would be one of the train problems because i don't know exactly where i'm going to end up but i do know how fast i'm going at the time that's really beautiful yeah johnny what mm-hmm. math problem would you be what uh, is your 69 background 69 equals 420 Hell yeah, dude. Hildred has struck Batari for 14 damage. Jeez. 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 So the uh, vessels beneath beneath the stands, like, explode. And a red plume of smoke, or a red plume of sand, rises into the air. And the crowd stands on their feet. The summer court brings out flags and begins an elaborate uh, British soccer style uh, song and dance about Hildred Gestar, <laughs> three-time champion of the joust, as she is awarded a kill against Batari. Oh, what does that mean? A kill is going to net her six points. Um, but the interesting thing is that she has selected to hit Batari rather than Ratu Ki. Ratu Ki has more protection than Batari. This is going to be cutting into Batari's endurance by quite a bit. You can see that the swan is disheveled looking. Um, and it's uh, like completely disoriented, spiraling in the air, and has to take a lot of work to regain its composure. Can people get knocked out of this? I guess I would know this if I knew the rules, which I don't. <laughs> but I have that but, same question. Like, are yes. people are people out out? Yeah, can they get out out? So people can get knocked out of this. Uh, mm. You can be removed from your griffin. Uh, you can take enough damage to just simply overwhelm you and you'll pass out on your bird. Um, you can have your bird pass out and be unable to fly. Mm. Oh, um, lots of fun options. 
Yeah. And those are just like the technical knockouts. Uh, also, if I mean, there there are rules that you are not privy to because you did not read them. Hey, uh, I tried. You did trick me into telling you some of them. Yay. So good on you. I'm a bad player. Da, da, it da, da, is da, me. Da, da. I'm the bad one. It is me, the bad man. You like that? Um, but yeah, you that that was a palpable hit. Uh, you can see that this bird is not doing well. Okay. Uh, Hildred uh, does a complicated maneuver as they pass Batari. Um, they're by Aristocracy and Metatron. And uh, they give you, she gives you a bit of a look, Gable. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to read. Um, I, I would like you to, what, what, what do you think a, a good role for Gable's like emotional intelligence to understand? Oh, emotional intelligence, that is yeah, it. Ma- 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 like it's understanding messages that are not spoken aloud. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't it knowledge forbidden? You know, is it can't possibly be knowledge forbidden. <laughs> it could be. Is are are the ways of the heart the most forbidden knowledge? <laughs> it, maybe like knowledge society. Um, I don't think it's a knowledge. I, I feel... oh, you're looking. You're looking for like social skills. Okay, that yeah, is yeah, probably. Deception? No, I don't. I don't know what this would be, James. Um, like is cool still a thing in this? Charm, coercion, deception, leadership, negotiation. Ah, uh, these are oh, oh yeah, there... cool is yeah. There's cool, cool's there. I, I would accept cool. All right, versus what? I'm gonna call this average because a normal person should be able to get it. Well, I'm not a normal person. I'm a dum dum. Yeah, you're a thembo. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, actually. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's three successes. Okay. Great. I'm rolling like a champ today. Yeah. So in in this flash, uh, before like Hildred passes you completely, uh, they give you a look, and it's almost. I thought you'd be better at this. Ooh. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> Gable sees this, waits until uh, Hildred gets. I, I bet Hildred's gonna be doing move where they just just graze uh, Gable's head with uh, the bird's wing. Yes, and at that moment, Gable reaches out and grabs a shoelace from Hildred's boot and tries to pull it down. <laughs> <laughs> Petty. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I like I think you get close, which is enough to demonstrate the prowess of your reflexes. Mm-hmm. Um uh but with that and then yells, show off <laughs> Aristocracy, uh <laughs> I, I think Tiberius has just had the fear of God put in him put in him a little bit. Uh he's gonna try and pick up some speed. So he is going to push. He's going to spend two of his endurance to do this check, and he's going to go after the hard check on this. The hard check. So Tiberius is going to first stunt to to add a little bit to his speed, bringing his current speed up to four. And after he is finished stunting, he is going to try and push. I think, like, after getting this hit, um, aristocracy goes into a bit of a spiral that turns into a dive. There is part of the audience in this arena is bracing themselves for impact as this enormous golden eagle is diving towards them. At the last minute, uh, aristocracy pulls up, and you can see the effect of the wind created by this massive creature as it spreads its wings hit the audience. There are people who are pushed out of their seats. Flags, fe- uh, uh, flowers, and personal items like drinks are thrown into the air as aristocracy pulls out of this dive and speeds up considerably. With two successes, aristocracy gets six overall speed, bringing 
the speed of that bird up to eight. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, pushing is pushing is great. It really gives you a ton of speed. You you can see like the uh, part of the crowd is thrilled by this. Everyone who wasn't in the section that uh, he just terrified by mm-hmm. diving near, um, but uh, 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 like that section, there are people who are booing. There are people who are like shaking other posters and whatnot at him. Um, he has recovered himself uh, and he is back into the sky, uh, which means uh, we turn around to Gable. Yes. Gable, I will say you noticed that accompanying that dive, uh, there was a bit of difficult maneuvering and it looks like aristocracy is a bit out of sorts. There were three threats rolled there, which means you would get blue dice if you were to choose to attack. I have no speed, though. That's the problem. Um... Before I do anything, I want to do a quick magic check. I want to feel out the magic that is controlling this point system and mm. see if it has where it is and if it has any vulnerabilities. Make me a divine check. Oh, yes, of course. Divine, and... w- divine magic or divine knowledge? Uh, divine magic yeah um because you're like i i you're i feel like you're kind of fluttering your eyes open to look at the tendrils of magic in the air right now versus uh i'm gonna call this hard this is an unknown spell that's not so bad okay these go away. That's three frets and a triumph. Oh man, yep. cool. Uh so I, I think no matter what, uh you actually had to spend some time focusing on this. Uh mm-hmm. which means Metatron is on like autopilot. Uh yeah. which means I would like uh Tyler, Tyler. What do you think a bird that is not being directed is going to do? Uh, leave. Oh, yep. That's yep. That that's it. For like, sure. like maybe like uh, uh, clumsily like fall into a hopefully fingers crossed roll the dice on this uh, abandoned area of the the stadium or like the a stairwell like like opening and then just like get its feet back and then just like just take off and it's gone um well i mean the the metatron is in the air right oh, okay. now yeah yeah okay okay yeah yeah so it just keeps on like going up uh, yeah and, yeah i think it's like, gonna just gain I'm, a lot of altitude I'm going back to the ship now right <laughs> we're done yeah we're finished okay i'm gonna <laughs> go back to the ship now uh, while Gable is is focusing very tight, so I, I think that is going to make you vulnerable if somebody chooses to attack you sure, at this fine. time. Yeah, just because your your bird is maneuvering in the totally wrong direction mm-hmm. and and not doing it very quickly. However, you succeeded because a triumph also counts as a success. Mm-hmm. Or, or did you get any failures? No failures, just a triumph. Okay, so yeah, you did succeed. So try that is both a one success and a triumph. So. The first thing that you can see is the kind of complicated magic that uh, this takes. This is a combination of both arcane and divine magic from what you can tell. A lot of threads here are arcane threads, but they're displacing force and power into sand. They have made a binding between the uniforms that you wear and the vessels full of sand below, which are constantly being refilled by competition staff. You can see, though, that there's some life force connected to it. It is because people are wearing these uniforms that that it allows these spells to work. Uh, So there's divine influence on there. And your triumph is that you know that you can bypass this if you want. And the way you would do that is by lighting your sword on fire. Uh, Okay. Uh, Okay. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right. Scotty Jacks.
So, you're looking to be a Swiftwell courier, eh? Most folk, I'd say, are fools for even thinking they could join that outfit. But you're young enough, and I hear the Audrin captains have a soft spot for folk in need. You see, the Swiftwell couriers aren't like most privateer outfits, skimming off the top of red feather talent for heavy coin. Their operation isn't wealthy enough to compete with most certification wages. They deliver the mail, not just the strange and exotic parcels to far-off places, though they do a share of that to be sure. They take letters from all kind of folk, folk in the big cities in the rediscovered world. Folk in small towns a red-feather captain wouldn't even spit on for a copper bar. And folk who live in places you or I ain't never heard of. Most corsairs don't bother to raid their ships because a hull full of letters ain't worth the fight. And the thing you really need to understand if you're going to run off and join is that when I say deliver the mail, I mean it in a real way that don't happen with anyone else. If you hand a letter to most skyjacks, you'd be lucky if it gets opened less than four times before it reaches its proper port. And that's if the lout doesn't get drunk and lose it in some bar halfway around the sphere. But if you get your letter into the hands of a skyjack on a Swiftwell Audrin, it'll get where you want it to go, and the mariner itself couldn't stop it with all the hate in the sea. Four Audrin ships sail all over Sphere, at least the parts we know of, on a regular schedule. Some towns without Star Watchers keep their calendar by the Audrin's pass because, frankly, they're more reliable. Each ship acts like a mobile office, taken and sorting parcel and package. Not every town got enough folk to justify a whole ship coming out, so each Audrin keeps an aviary aboard. It varies ship to ship, but mostly they're flying small birds, like sparrows and cardinals and such, to keep enough room for all the cargo. That's where the apprentices come in. Young, small folk like yourself, who fly from the ship to bring word to all the settlements in the way out. The best way to get picked up to be an apprentice is to hail from Thornvale. Don't excite yourself trying to find it, though. It's located somewhere in the Ambershine Range. But no one apart from the Audrin captains knows how to find it. Believe me, Red Feathers have tried. Most of their apprentices come from there. But there are exceptions. Orphans, mostly. Folk who need work and away. Folk who gotta be kept from the church and the feather. Folk with a spark. Even if you get in front of a captain and have them hear your case, you still have to work to even earn a shot at apprenticing. You start at novice, the beginning before beginning. You'll do all kinds of tough work while they watch you for a spark. And if you don't shine, they'll drop you out of port where you can find something else. Don't despair, though. Audrin training, even novice training, is worth something. Listen to me, though. I could go on about the Audrins, Coriander and Patience Swiftwell, and the reputations of their postmasters for hours. But that won't get you work, and I can see that you need it. Lucky for you, it's festival week, and you were introduced to me by an old friend. You came from a Corsair ship. I know that you're no stranger to work, and I won't insult you by talking about the danger. Let's see if this old Skyjack can't rise up an introduction for ya. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like All My Fantasy Children. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by you. Each week, best friends Aaron Catano Saez and Jeff Stormer take a listener submitted prompt and, using some of their favorite tabletop RPGs, create an original fantasy character. Along the way, they populate a shared universe one story at a time. They share laughs, stories, and verbal hugs along the way. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter at Tyler A. Dave, on Mainstage with Second City, or at IO with Devil's Daughter. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. 
I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The role-playing game used for this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system published by Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.